Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the long talk here on New Zealand Sports Radio. And yes, we are using Zoom today because all the other technical issues. And so you can see who I've got as my guest, even before I uh, I kind of introduce her. But welcome um, to Shaw Smith, uh, Blackfern, and also Northland Farrah Palmer Cup coach. How are you doing? Oh, g'day, Paul. I'm good, thank you. Cool. Well, this is take two. We tried this the other day, and uh, technical issues. We had to stop after about ten minutes. So you know the first question, which is, um, what's your first sporting memory? <laughs> well, first sporting memory, most probably um, a Saturday morning at eight o'clock in the freezing cold, going to play a bit of netball. <laughs> oh, Dear me! Wow, you make it—you make it sound so appealing. Um, <laughs> uh, and also, we chatted last time. You get—you're also another one that's um, got up in the middle of the night with your dad. Uh, to listen or watch um, uh, All Blacks tests as well, overseas tests. Yeah. Yes. No. I was one of those one of those kids um, r- rugged up in the middle of the night. They only can't get up to catch the bus in the morning, but crikey, could get up to watch a test match at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> with a cup <laughs> of Milo. <laughs> The Milo, the Milo and the rug, that's fantastic, fantastic. You have fingerless gloves back in those days, because I tell you, it's, um, that's what I'm going with now. The, um, and so, yeah, playing netball up in uh, up in Northland, where you, where you still are now. Um, did you? Uh, so, when did sort of rugby first come into uh, into your life, or actually playing it? Like, oh, actually, first off, you you played in the backyard with your brothers, but when did when did you actually formally start playing? I never formally started playing till later in life because um, rugby wasn't allowed in schools when I was going to school for girls. So basically I was a top netballer and uh, my local netball team was short of players one weekend and asked me to come along for a game. So I went along and um, threw away the netball skirt and kept the pair of rugby shorts. So, <laughs> And that was yeah up, up in Northland. Um, yes, it was in um, Kaikohe in Northland. Um, where you are now president of the rugby club. Correct. So, you've, yes. uh, so I've done some research. This is scary, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so could you playing up there did you have, what kind of opportunities were there for for women in rugby and it was was northern in a provincial championship was that enough to get you to the black ferns or did you have or or did you have to go down to the big smoke to to, to kind of progress your career yeah basically um Northland, we had a strong women's club competition when I was playing. Um, I did make, they had a Northland team. I made the team and um, for me, it was just by mistake. One of um, the former Black Ferns and a very close friend now, Louisa War, was up here holidaying and banged into each other. And she said, would you mind coming, uh, do you want to come down to Auckland to see if you can actually make the team. So I came down and played for College Rifles. And um, so, so, how, so how many years have you been playing before you, before you came down? Two years. So two, wow, two years. This is, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's meteoric risers and then there's, um, and there's then, yeah, then there's uh, kind of take, hitting a rocket ship and going and, and climbing through the ranks. Um, so down at so down at Clare, Clare Rifle, So did you have to? Did you move down here for work or, or to study or? Um, no, I basically moved down for rugby. You moved, moved down, to, down rugby. to see if I could um, make it into the Black Ferns. Um, but I was lucky enough um, before uh, I before I moved, I made sure I had work, and I was lucky enough to get a job with Nati Fatwa up in Bastion Point um, as a medical receptionist up there, and um, they were very supportive basically in my 10 years that I was in Auckland through my whole rugby career. So I was very lucky. So 10 years, all of them with college rifles or did you, did you change or change? No, um, I stayed two years with college rifles. Then the trouble at college rifles, there were all the black Ferns playing and I actually changed positions. So um, the incumbent loose Ford for the Black Ferns was at College Rifle, so I felt like I had to move away just to get good game time. Mm-hmm. So I went to suburbs, and then from suburbs I went to Ponsonby, where I actually ended my um, rugby club rugby there at Ponsonby's for the Phillies. So wow, so, uh, yeah, so, some some clubs there that uh, that have got some fierce rivalries as well um, between yeah. them. <laughs> let's be exactly. Let's be, uh, let's be honest there. So. And, and, and you're right. The college rifles have got a, a fantastic history um, with players. And I've played touch rugby, or just um, just parents teachers association touch rugby at college rifles. Um, and uh, yeah, above the bar, they have basically it's packed full of photos of black ferns and all blacks that have played for the, uh, the, the, the that have played for college rifles. So I'm assuming your, yeah, your your photo is probably one of the ones one of the ones up there. It's right um, above the bar. Also, next time you're in there, just have a look up. It'll be Cheryl Waka, my maiden name. So I'm right above the bar if they haven't moved us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. Uh, they did redecorate the bar because they and, and they now have college rifles wallpaper on one of the walls. Um, oh, that true. Joined, so that, that was that was the uh, for the Lions tour. Oh, okay. um, that was all done. So that was a couple of years ago now. Because I remember going back there to watch um, a mixed ability um, rugby uh, game um, that was there. So so I was touring over from Wales. Yeah, no, it's a great club. Like, totally recommend it to anyone who moves to Auckland. I loved it. And that was the only reason I moved was because I needed to play. 
I most probably would have stayed at college rifles. <laughs> so, did they have uh, the astro pictures then, or, or, or were they no. still on grass? No, it was still grass. Okay, so for, the, for those who don't, yeah, we're getting into sort of <laughs> niche territory here. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but um, yeah, college rifles now have got two astro pictures, uh, not, not grass, and it, it, it isn't a bowl, so I guess it was a bit of a mud pitch. Uh, a mud patch from uh, from time to time. Yeah. Um, Those were my rugby days, and the <laughs> the, <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> Oh dear me! Um, and for those of you that do watch uh, dif- different parts of the uh, other shows on here, um, Ashwin, who hosts our cricket show, uh, he's a coach at Southies for the, on the cricket side um, with the kids there. So, yeah, another club that I know uh, that's sort of down, sort of just south of Mount Roskill. Um, much more open pitches, uh, a bit less muddy, and nicer, nicer quality. In your day, oh, very much. Yes, no, we were just the good old grass and you hope that it didn't rain too much and it'll get muddy, but that was rugby. That was sport back in the day. You loved it. <laughs> and then on to Ponsby, and let's, for those that don't know, in Ponsby is the club of um, people like Rico and uh, Kerry Winey nowadays. Um, uh, also, I'm trying to think now, no, no Caleb, um, sorry, um, Irani Clark, uh, they're, they're out, he's out some, um, oh, um, out, out, out wide but no but yeah possibly again a place where a lot of the Auckland and Blues players um, will be club members of so yeah so that's probably what the the, the richest club in um, in Auckland possibly I wouldn't wouldn't be able to comment on that for <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sort of facilities wise club uh, yeah club rooms that kind of um, but yeah so, so three three big things uh, so how long did it take you to break into the Black Ferns after you moved down um, two years. So basically, um, my second season in Auckland, I became Black Food. So I made it to the 1998 World Cup. So the year before, we couldn't raise um, the All Blacks down in Carisbrook, when Carisbrook was still a, a park. So that was my debut. So... Um, and then off to the World Cup in 98. So um, I suppose I transitioned quite quickly into the big, the big game. The big league, yes. So folks, if you don't make it to being an international after, after starting a sport after four years, just give up. You're, just, you're going too slow. Um, the <laughs> wow, that, that's... Uh, did, you, did you have to pinch yourself along the way? Or, was that, or, or, or for you, was that just kind of just normal? Uh, or, did you, or did you realise you, you were kind of climbing the ladder very quickly? Oh no! I just um, just trained, played hard, and hopefully got got selected. So um, I suppose it it wasn't that. Re- that's why I moved from home. It was that that was the reason why I moved was to try and make the team. So I just trained and done ev- everything possible to get myself um, seen, I suppose. And um, I was lucky enough to get chosen. And back in those days, I mean the. the now the Black Ferns um, play something approaching sort of like like uh, well they, they obviously have the double headers the, the um, double headers against the Wallaroos um, they they now have the uh, the the the, the, sorry, so the Super Cup where they play five games against against the top six teams um, so they're getting uh, something like seven or eight Test matches a year which is still way down on the men's but back in your day. That that would that would have seemed like a lot of rugby, wouldn't it? Um, you oh. get one or two games a year. 
outside of World Absolutely. Cup. Absolutely. Like, I played 21 test matches in my whole 10 years of, from 90, from 97 to 2003, I played 21 test matches. So that's showing you how many games we played. So it wasn't that many. So, um, yeah, things have changed, but still it was great. You know, Paul, like I wouldn't change anything. Um, it let me tour the world. I was fortunate enough to go to two World Cups and the second one was in 2002 in Barcelona, Spain, to play in the Olympic Stadium, as I said to you on Friday, where Muhammad Ali shot the arrow. So when we went there for a team run, we tried to recreate that atmosphere. Um, then we tried sprinting down the 100-metre track, and all our coach said was, don't you dare pull a hamstring, because... It's the World Cup final in a couple of days. So Did you time yourself? No. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just imagined hundreds of thousands of people in the stadium roaring as Carl Lewis and Co were <laughs> seeming down the hundred meter track. So the um and so what, so, so what tours, outside Rugby World Cups, did you get to play anyone apart from just Australia? Or did you, uh, do you, do you get to tour, tour England, Ireland, those sort of places, uh, or even the States? Um, every year we were quite lucky. We had a tour to Canada. So we um, played Canada. Um, it was mainly Australia. Um, we would play England. We played England before the 2002 World Cup. They came out the season before and beat us. So, and that was the first time that we had been beaten. So, um, we really never got much rugby um, in between. It was mainly just Australia or a tour to Australia um, to Canada. So, we never really got much um, game time before the big World Cups every four years. And what was the step up like? Did you find between club or Auckland Club Rugby and um, uh, and international rugby? Because I mean, there's there's not even uh, and back back in those days, the, I mean, the Farrah Palmer Cup didn't kind of um, or didn't didn't exist. I mean, there was some provincial. Yeah, there rugby. was a um, like a national championship um, that we played in, and those games were because we had Auckland Counties Waikato. Wellington, Canterbury, and Otago. And they were really um, tough games leading into um, New Zealand. So we were quite lucky to have those games um, every year. Um, I was fortunate enough to be with Auckland and we never lost the game for the whole 10 seasons that I played for Auckland. So everyone wanted to take knock us off the block, I suppose. But, um, no, it was really good competition. And even for every year, you know, we were always in good stead. And it's really good to have the Farah Palmer back up and running and actually having Northland in the competition as well. Like the, I suppose, lower sub, the rural subunions, I suppose you could say, except for the big city subunions. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, back then, only six provinces um, had, or only six unions had, uh, had teams um, and now 
the both sounds of it here, you didn't lose very often. So, so, so 10 years of constant winning with Auckland, um, and your 21 test matches where well, you've mentioned one loss. Um, and since you, I'm, I'm getting that's probably what that, that was your only loss while you were at international. Yes. Yes. So, um, they, they say you, 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 you learn more from losing than from winning. Um, did you not learn much? Or, or how did you? <laughs> that, 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 is a, that is a phenomenal record. Over 10 years, not losing a provincial game, only losing one test match. Um, at, at club level, I'm guessing with, with College Rifles and Ponsonby, and suddenly you, you were in the finals or, or, or winning the competition most years as well? Yeah, so, oh, well, I think it was more of a, we always wanted to try and better ourselves. Like, yes, that old saying, you know, you learn from your, lose, um, your losses, but even you can learn from your wins, you know. You can always better yourself and make things, um, moves, make moves better, more crisp. But um, I was always finding I was still always learning, even though we were always winning, you know. You, there's always something you can learn, even though you've won a game. Of rugby, <laughs> the coaches seem to always find something that we never done right, even though we won. <laughs> and what kind of support did you have around the, on, on the coaching side? I mean, if we look, we look, we look at kind of the the All Blacks. I mean, they've got head coach, they've got a scrum coach, they've got a backs coach, they've got a defence coach, they've got a physio, they've got a, um, a couple of physios, got a couple of strength and conditioning guys, um, somebody who makes some coffee, another person who brings us sandwiches, makes does some washing. Um, what kind of what kind of support network did, did you have around yourselves at, say, Auckland level and then also the, the Blackburns? Uh, for Auckland level, basically we just had a head coach, assistant coach, manager. Um, for the Blackburns when I was playing was the same, but um, we had, we were classed as high performance players, so we had a gym membership, we had a trainer who trained us, um, we had a strength and conditioning guy with us in the Black Ferns, so we had a program that we had to do every day. Yep. So um, I suppose we we had support, you know, um, a physio, a doctor who was on tap. If we got injured, we were straight in. So we had good support around us, I suppose. But um, laundry-wise, if we were on tour, that was the new girls. The new girls on the block had to do the laundry. So, and yes, I've done it myself. You know, I've been on laundry duty on tour. So, everyone does it. So, no, I think um, I can't complain. You know, I was quite happy with what we got. I thought it's not about complaints. It's, it's, it's just about showing people. People can like kind of say, okay, um, is the skill level the same? You kind of like, well, look. The skill level is not going to be the same if you don't have a specialist skills coach, if you don't have a specialist lineup coach, a specialist scrum coach, then and then and if you're only and if you even if you can't train during the daytime because you're having to do hold down a full time job as well, there's going to be disparity in uh, in, in skills between a, a fully professional team and what is a, a semi amateur or, or sorry semi pro or, um, or or amateur team as well. So it's just it's just yeah, just understanding those differences. People need to. It's it, it, um, what you see out on the pitch isn't just the fifteen players, is it? It's the whole package of the sports staff, the players, the families that can help them oh, in that time. And families is the big thing, especially when I was playing. Like, because as you said, Paul, we we still worked full time. 
uh, we had shift workers as well. You know, we had we had all walks of life, but we all still worked. So I was up five o'clock every morning just to fit in my gym session before work, and then after work it was a running session. So um, yeah, how we done it, I don't know, but we done it because we loved the game and. Yes, now I suppose what we've done in the past, you're starting to see now the current Blackburns are starting to get um, get um, things now, like they're getting good support now. Um, so, yeah, it was tough, but my father always said you don't need to play if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, when I used to come home and groan about things, he said, well, you don't need to play if you don't want to. So that sort of made me quieten down and just, okay, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> but yeah, there's, it is nice when I, tell the story, when I tell the story to the kids when I go into schools and they can't believe that, oh my God, you've done that every day. And I said, yes, for six days a week for 10 years. <laughs> um. The so yeah, so I, I had a chat with uh, with uh, Joe Edwards a few couple of years back um, and did a, a week in the life of a, a rugby player, and he spent and he would spend most of the week basically recovering from the weekend, getting come in. They'd do an analysis session. He'd go get a massage next day. Come in, um, look at skill sections, do some professional development, go get a massage, um, and all of that was obviously was, was was provided by the by the club as well. So it, it's, it's all good about saying, yep, yeah, okay, we'll provide with a strength and conditioning coach. But there's all other sides of it, other pieces. And just not being able to sit on the couch for two hours and relax, uh, just let your body recuperate um, around all this. Did you, how careful were you with your nutrition and things? And how aware were you back then about uh, how important nutrition was for your performances? Oh, yeah, well, we had a nutritionist as well um, that we could see when we wanted to so for me I suppose I was quite lucky growing up like I had um, my mother fed us pretty good coming off a farm so to me I sort of had that food growing up so I'm sort of used to eating well I suppose so it wasn't um, a big major for me but um, yeah like and I found myself a Chinese masseuse, a masseuse. So um, to me, a masseuse was just as important as training. So I would see him once a week. And I think he saved me in my 10 years of rugby. Like what he could find, he would press different parts of me and he'll go, Cheryl, you've got a slight tear there. But if I treat you, you'll be right to play. Like, I didn't even know I had it, but I think without having him, mm -hmm. I most probably, I'm very lucky I got through a whole rugby career with no major injuries, and I put it down to seeing this Chinese masseuse every week. I just made it part of my training schedule, I suppose, my well-being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And that's it. And that's it. A lot, a lot of people, people are saying, um, will mistaken, like, um, especially on the concussion kind of pieces, are like, oh, it's up to the player. If the player feels good, let him, let, 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 let them play. Um, but as you just said there, you, if with, with with physical bits, you, you don't actually necessarily know all the injuries that, that you've got. Uh, and sometimes players do need 
protecting from themselves um, and trying to push themselves too hard, do you find? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, you get, because you as a player, you just want to play as well. So um, it's really important that um, we do have that support because some players will just keep playing, even with concussion. It's really serious, you know, and it, they don't realise it's not the now when you get concussed, it's the years later that um, you find the trouble from concussion. But, um, yeah, I was very fortunate that um, I would speak up, like, for me personally. Like, I always thought, you know, it's just the game. Like, the game will always be there. And if you do miss out, you miss out. But at the end of the day, you've got to look after yourself. And I think that's a big push I do with players now as a coach. If you're not feeling well, you've got to say it. Like, don't feel that you have to play if you can't give 100%. Because at the end of the day, the game will be still here next week or next year. And hopefully you can still be part of it. That's how I look at it anyway. It's a bigger picture. And also, if you're not playing at 100%, you're actually you're not able to support your other teammates as well as oh. you want to. So hence, you, you're not letting your play... You By standing up and talking about it, you're actually supporting your teammates rather than you're not letting them down by not being out there. I guess is the other message to try and get across. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, you're not letting the team down because it's worse off if you play injured and someone gets past you and scores the winning try or something because you couldn't get there because you were only at 60%. You know, so yeah, it's the big picture, you know. So, so I've been, it's been interesting chatting with... Um, some of the uh, people like Dean Kenny, who's ex All Black, and uh, Warren Brosnan, and back there was Springbok, talking about how when they were travelling, you know, staying in motels and things like that on tour. What, um, not not the sort of five star hotels and and like, like they do nowadays. What were your travel trips down to, say, Dunedin and Christchurch like? I mean, obviously you flew down, but did you have to fly back the same day, or did you fly down in the morning and then play the game, or or did you actually get to go down earlier, stay in hotels um, and prepared properly yeah no we were quite lucky um especially for Auckland we would fly Friday and we won't come back till Sunday so we were quite lucky um so we were very well looked after um as Auckland so we would take half a day on Friday fly down play Saturday and come back Sunday so and I think that's most because of flights I'm not too sure I don't know if they would have made us fly back <laughs> on Saturday night, if we could, I'm not too sure, but yeah, we were very, and we stayed in really nice accommodation. Like, yes, it wasn't five star, but you know, it was comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it was comfortable and clean, and that's the important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and did you have all um, post match uh, dinners after all with with the opposition and things like that after yes. all the the games and just like the uh, just like the men kind of um, yeah. do as well. Um, and did you get a blazer at each of the three clubs, or did you, or not, or, or, or didn't that happen back back in the day? Uh, yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, no, we never got blazers actually for playing for. I most probably never stayed around long enough, Paul, to get a blazer at one club. <laughs> <laughs> so that's most probably why I never got one. <laughs> and but I've got to admit that's sort of what I really enjoyed about rugby compared to netball was that after match 
you know, getting to know players. That's what I really enjoy about rugby. Um, with netball, you play your game and you go. But with rugby, you come in to that club rooms and, that, you know, you get to know one another and you end up having mates for life. For it. And uh, that's one thing I've really taken from rugby um, is that I've got friends all over the world that I could just ring up one day I'm coming and I've got a bed to got a pillow to put my head on for a couple of nights so but yes no it's really great um, we always had the after match functions um, and did, did that continue at the Rugby World Cup or was that the one time when you didn't have after, after match functions because you've got another game uh, so oh you know we still had functions after each game but um, it wasn't too long you know you were I suppose it was just a formal after match and then we would go back to our hotels and do recovery and get ready for the next game, especially in the pool games. You know, you're, we were playing every third day, so you sort of had to look after yourself for the big goal of the final, hopefully. And that, and that is also one of the, the things about women's rugby is that the, the, the turnarounds between games are much shorter. Partially that's because... The there are very few teams that are professional, and so hence getting time off work um, uh, uh, is, is is difficult. And also just yeah, just fitting fitting these tournaments in. Uh, they yeah, quite often uh, we've we've seen in recent years that the 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 Wallaroos and the Black Ferns will play on a Wednesday, then play again on the Saturday. Which, if you ask the men to do that, the answer is going to be a big no. Let's be honest. Um, so yeah, that that turnaround is uh, again is impressive. Uh, and, and requires, uh, and obviously you're not going to be able to get back up to the same level again, are you, three days later, uh, as opposed to a seven-day turnaround? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't know how we've done it, but I suppose we carried a big squad to the World Cup, but still there were um, a lot of us playing back-to-back games. But um, you just done it. It might be just a woman's mentality, Paul. They just get stuck and do it. <laughs> Just get stuck in and get it get it done, um, yeah. And then after um, playing rugby, uh, when you, when you retired, did you did you move straight back up north? And that was it, kind of like, yep, yeah, Auckland is just for rugby. I'm not sticking around. I'm going back 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 to the farm, um, back up north. Was it? Is that is that what happened? Yes, basically. Um, um, I just woke up one morning and decided I didn't want to do this anymore, and. Um, rang the New Zealand coaches at the time and just said, um, I'm going to get retire. Um, I'm just, I'm feeling tired, I suppose. I just didn't have that go to be getting up at five o'clock anymore. And um, so they sort of said, oh, that's a shame. Would you just take a year off and look at coming back? And I said, oh, no, I can't do that. If I, if I can't do it now... I'm just, I don't think I will return. And I um, came home back to good old um, Otawa Hokianga. <laughs> and uh, did you carry on playing club rugby up north? No. I no. basically, once I left, I um, never put on the boots ever again. No, you so, did the Rich, the Rich McCaw, re- um, re- retiring <laughs> at the top. Um, and then... Uh, so, so, then, so now you've been is it 15 years as a uh, community sports advisor for um, Sports Northland. Yes. Um, is, what, what, what does a community sports advisor do? I basically um, 
help communities with projects that they are doing within towns and trying to help them to give them the support for the project to come to fruition and also um, sports clubs just helping them with any sporting issues they may have, administration, uh, membership and trying to up, get the facilities upgraded as well so it's a bit of everything it's quite interesting so it's never the same thing every day so those, so those projects are you talking mainly sort of infrastructure projects to to provide facilities or are you talking or are they or uh, could they be projects to set up new teams um, yeah it's infrastructure infrastructure products or just down to something so small a community group in town want to be doing like um there's one in Kaipui there um last we built a new basketball court outdoor basketball court because basketball's really taken off up here in the in Northland and um we got the whole community in behind and now we've got a brand new outdoor full-size basketball court at the local park and kids are using it all the time even parents so it's great to see it's uh, yeah no I mean basketball is one of the fastest growing sports here in New Zealand um, and uh, for those that uh, don't know this Thursday the NBL um, draft is happening and yours truly myself I am in the draft I've, I've, I've nominated myself the um, um, I can see you laughing that you don't think I'm going you don't think I'm a first round pick oh you never know you never know there Paul you have to be in it to win it there's over 500 people going for those 84 places i must admit yeah it's unlikely i'm going to get selected but hey i can say i was part of a professional draft um and so, so and it's going to be exciting exciting to see actually absolutely. yeah absolutely looking forward to that, uh, to that to that competition um i did an interview with the ceo of mbl um and it's going to be interesting to see, again obviously it's it's going to be, it was designed to be behind closed doors. So it's going to be interesting to see how that changes um, with the COVID levels. And we're expecting an announcement today around whether we go to level one. Um, how have you found the, the community up there? How, how has the sports side of it been impacted by, by COVID? Are, are you concerned for some of the clubs and their viability up, up, in, um, up in your area? Yes, um, it has um, affected a lot of clubs up um here just due to um, work and financial um, a lot of a lot of teams aren't fielding teams this year because of COVID because they've just gone back to work some are uncertain if they have still got jobs so it's um, it's going to change it um, and hopefully we will get ourselves back on our feet again but um, it's a real game changer, old COVID's done to the whole world, actually. So and we're not just talking rugby here, we're talking across all the sports you cover um, with that. So, uh, so it's all good and well then, by the sound of, it, to, of saying, oh, we'll just push the, um, the season back and we'll start the, the club season, uh, well, next uh, weekend after next, um, and run it through. But you're saying that some, some people, because of the, the, the jobs that the players, play, to players have, they're not going to be available for the clubs, and so some clubs aren't going to be fielding um, fielding teams. That's that's sad to hear. Um, oh, absolutely, because um, a lot of um, guys have said, even girls have said, they can't play um, this year due to um, shift work now because they lost so much 
work prior um, to COVID that the organisations are going to go um, shift work. So that means 24-7, so be no more weekend weekends for them, which is quite a shame. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you need you need need jobs to survive and hopefully sport will come back with a vengeance next season. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. I mean, I remember talking with someone in the uh, the Thames Valley area and he said that uh, one of the, the main employers in town is a meatworks. Um, and the boys that get time and a half at weekends or, or, or get extra shift pay at weekends if they work the weekend, which means obviously they want the extra pay and hence they can't turn up for the rugby or or they have a shift on Thursday or Tuesday nights when the training is, they, they can't turn up. So I guess call out to all employers is please be flexible with your um, with, with, with your employees that want to play sport. Please make it available for them. Um, they, so um, uh, with, with your, your club, um, Kakiho, are, are you, uh, are you filling a side this year or are you going to be, or are you going to have to take a, take a year out? Yeah, well, we've actually lost our senior men's team due to COVID. Um, and, but we're running our women's team and our league teams. And we've, we normally have a whole heap of junior teams as well. And we've lost all our junior teams bar two. And that's just, and you don't blame um, Fano. They just, they don't want their kids out there playing. So it's going to be a rebuild for us. And um, hopefully next year, everyone will be back rearing to go. So to me, it's a shame, but the big picture, it's it's the right choice. You know, as I said Absolutely. earlier in our interview, sport will always be there. And it's about um, just making sure our whanau are well and connected. And I mean, for folks, I mean, this, I'm assuming your, your club is like a lot of other clubs where um, funding comes in a number of sources. But one of the main, obviously you have your subs, um, but two other main four sources of funding are uh, gaming funding, which um, is ha- has been reduced, and secondly, is money over the bar. Now, if you're having less, if you've got one less team, uh, that team's not uh, not having a couple of drinks after training on a Thursday night. Um, it's one less game for fans to or for supporters, sorry, to come down and and club members come down and watch and then come into the bar. So, not only is it that fact that you're not fielding as many teams, but it's going to impact the, the 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 club financially as well in the fact that. You're just not going to have the same turnover that you would normally have. Yeah, correct, Paul. And um, we are taking a bit. Oh, I just know with my club, we are going to be taking a bit a big hit this year. Like just for fees alone, that was a major um, revenue for the club, and also the gaming um, agencies. Um, but at the end of the day, like everyone's taking a hit, so. Um, We've just got to be resilient and hopefully everyone will come back next year and we will just um, rebuild. And Kaiku is quite um, hearty. Everyone gets in behind um, the community here in Kaiku. So I feel next year we'll be um, back on our feet in no time. Good. The, also another point is because you the, shift, the, 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 the season shifted, are you expecting to have any problems about clashes uh, trying to get pitches because if you overlap with say the cricket season are, um, are some of your community grounds up there maybe not for the rugby team but for the other for the other sports are, are you, do you think you can have a, have a bit of a clash with sort of cricket people and football and rugby all wanting to try and play at the same time 
Yeah, well, we're quite lucky because um, we've got um, our own fields and it doesn't actually get used for anything else but um, rugby. Um, and on the other side, there's um, football and we just started cricket up last summer. So, but we can play cricket at one of the high schools here in Kaikwe. So we're quite lucky. We've got a bit of green space that we can actually um, utilise. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about a small town, everyone's willing to work together. So, you know, we just make things work, you know, compared to a big city where it's cricket time, it's cricket time. There's no <laughs> no sharing of um, facilities, but um, we're quite lucky in a small community. Everyone's willing to help one another so they can um, play their code as such. Yeah, it's interesting that your, your rugby club has rugby and rugby league, both teams, both from the same, in the same club. Um, for people who are listening from England, that would just never happen. Um, you're either a league person or a rugby, or a rugby person. The, the two do not mix. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Do you have players who will play, play in both? No, not as much. Okay. Um, no. Because I have heard in, um, uh, in Pacific Islands that Saturdays when you play Union, union and Sunday you play league. Um, and basically, if you, they play twice at the weekend, which is just nuts. But hey, they enjoy it. Um, so let's come on to the, the final bit. You're um, obviously head coach of the, the Northland ladies team last season, your first season in the, uh, the Farrah Palmer Cup. How did the ladies um, take to it? Did you, did you feel you had a successful season being a first, being a, a first year team? Oh, absolutely. Um, like for the first time for Northland to have a club competition uh, in years and to actually field a Farrah Palmer team for the first year was was amazing. And uh, we were quite lucky. Um, we had a couple of experienced players, but the rest of the girls were all new. And to make it to the semi-finals for the first year was was a huge achievement for these girls. Like we had girls traveling three hours just to come to training. You know, that was one way to training, then drive home again. Um, like the sacrifices these girls made last year for the team and for us to get to where we were um, was great. And this year the girls have really worked hard and also Northland Rugby Union have really backed us this year to actually get a training program for the girls. So our girls had been training since February mm -hmm. and then when COVID came, sort of blocked, put a stop to that, but girls were training by themselves and sending in their what they had done every day. Um, and it just, this year it's really showed that um, the interest of women's rugby. Everyone wants to play for the Cody's now, the Northland Cody team, so which is amazing. But it was all through those girls from last year, the team from last year, the hard work that they had done, and it showed that making the semi-finals. You know, we were we were a team to watch out for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how do you get involved? I mean, you've uh, I've read an article where you've said that you uh, you have no um, sort of formal co coaching badges. Um, we mentioned that, that uh, you had a coaching from experience. How did you get involved? How did you become the, the head coach of, uh, of, of the Northern side um, up there? Well, I was coaching, yeah, just coaching local. Um, and 
there was an application what came out and I thought, oh, I'll just chuck my name in the hat and had the interview and was lucky enough to um, get the job. So I think it was most probably my experience of being an ex-Black Fern and coaching because I've coached men as well at a club level. Um, but yes, I've got no certificates, but I suppose I've got the experience and the skills, the life skills of rugby, and um, that's helped me to get to where I am today. And um, so, uh, so do you take the forwards? And uh, Susan Dawson, does she is she she's your assistant coach, or was was last year? Uh, yep. do, do you split forwards and forwards and backs, or how, how do you how do you? Uh, yeah, so that? last year I took the backs, and Susie took the forwards. Um, this year we're really lucky. We've got um, I've got two assistants coaches this year. Um, we've got um, a man uh, guy Murray Webb. He's come on board, so he will be taking um, the backs this year. Susie um, will be taking the defence and forwards, and I'll be overseeing it all so having one more person on board is going to be great for the team I feel. Sitting back with your coffee and your tin tam watching them do it all. Um, the, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, now when you say you've got the job um, we, we should, uh, this, it's not like Warren Gatland or, um, or, uh, or, or Dave Rennie becoming the Wallabies coach and taking a, a $75,000 pay cut um, just by thirty percent over three months. When we're talking job, uh, it's it's a um, uh, well, it's a volunteer role, isn't it? Really, it's not. Uh, it's not actually a. It's not a paid um, kind of thing, no. and that's and that's the uh, how, how the, the the setup still is at uh, provincial level. Yep, yeah, it's very much volunteer, Paul. <laughs> so <laughs> still working full time and coaching after hours. So still doing while I was playing. Still, <laughs> so I've just changed changed from being a player to a coach, and um, everything um, is voluntary. But yeah, so it's very intro, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so if you're in the stands and shouting at people, remember that they're all volunteers. Um, yes, they're not. This is not. Uh, this is not their day job. It's not to get paid for. Yes. I'm just looking out the window at the rain, thinking my washing's getting wet. Um, yeah. The, so, so yeah, so, so, so be it. Be understanding, folks, uh, of of this, the at uh, the, 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 that provincial level, it's um, it is fantastic that the Northern has got a team going. Now, this year it's going to be an extra challenge though, because last year you were in the championship. This year it's a it's a north south um, split, so you're going to be playing against the Premiership teams such as Auckland and uh, Counties and Waikato next year. Um, looking forward to the extra challenge, also this year. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Like, um, I think for me, for the team, it's, especially the girls, it's you're going to be playing against the best. And if you want to um, see if you can make it to the Black Ferns, this is what you're up against. And for me, that's what I had to do as a player. Like, I wanted to go and play against the best to see if I was worthy of um, making the team. So I'm, I'm really excited. Like, it's great. Like, we weren't even going to be in the competition to start with, and now we're in it and we're playing against Top Gun. So I just think it's great. And I, I'm sure the girls are raring to go, and it's going to be a great experience for them. And 
for me, it's um, when we have home games, people are going to see the best of the New Zealand female players in action. And folks, there is a, a big, big carrot um, uh, lying wait for, for those players that can take that big step up because next year, the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup is, is coming to, uh, to New Zealand uh, and you're going to be having games up in Northland, up in Fongaray. Yes, we're going to be having 11, we're hosting 11 games. So how great would that be? You know, if we get a couple of girls from Northland and that Black Ferns team, you know, I just, how special is that? I've always want like, I only got to play twice or three times at home when I was in the Black Ferns. And my last year in 2003, we played the World 15 in Whangarei at Okara Park. And for me, that was a dream come true to actually play in front of my home crowd because that, that was, you know, where I come from. So, no, I think it's really exciting for the, the ladies. And um, So which, uh, is, is there a couple of ladies you think could, could, could make that step up? Who should we be looking out for from the Northern team this year? Oh, the whole 22, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other point, folks. Look. Um, if you haven't noticed that yet, we're not talking 23, we're talking 22, which means your prop uh, replacement has to be able to scrum both sides, right? Correct, correct. So we're going, this is, this is yeah, back to old school um, um, way of things. Uh, how, many of your, I mean, how many of your props can do that? I mean, how, how difficult is that, managing a 22 oh. squad rather than 23? Oh, it's really dif- difficult because um, they play... They only play one side, like they don't get to practice playing on both sides. And um, I know that um, up front is a very special place. And I always take my hat off to those three people up front. So I always thought, oh, if you could play one side, you could play the other. But no, it's not that easy. So I sort of got a training when I was learning session from the props when we were, I was in the Black Ferns because I just thought, oh, you know, you play one side, you can play the other. But um, it is totally different. So um, it is going to be really difficult for us because we haven't got that depth like the big city has, big city teams have to actually have players who can play both sides. So We've been teaching girls now that if you're a prop, it's best to learn both sides because that's going to most probably help you make teams now. You know, just another bow in the in your bag that you can play both sides. <clears throat> You'll most probably get selected over someone who can only play one side. And uh, yeah, in the men's game, I've heard people say actually yeah, do that so you can get a better, a more expensive uh, or, or, or a bigger contract. Um, in the in the women's side, it's about yes, if uh, yeah, you'll, you'll make the squad. Um, in yeah. that, um, uh, thank you so much. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure um, talking. Uh, any other sort of things about the Northland rugby scene that you would like to um, let us know about that I haven't sort of asked about? No, just um, for me, it was um, the real great community support we got as a team last year from everyone in Northland, like all the small communities. People were willing to help support us. So if there's anyone listening now and would love to um, help out the Cody this year, just please be in contact um, 
with the rugby union and we'll take it from there. But no, it's great. So yes, so if you yeah, want to help out, and that's as if, if that's financially through sponsorship, then I know there, uh, that uh, that there will be opportunities there. Um, if it's through supporting in other means by whether you have a sports physio um, piece or massage piece that would help the girls out, uh, that, that I'm sure that would be appreciated. Or if you've got a flash coach that they could use for their trips to away games, I'm sure they'd appreciate that as well. So uh, any any way you'd like to do that, then please do uh, do reach out. Um, and uh, if you can't, then make sure you get to the games because they're going to be crackers. Um, as Shaw says, you're going to see the best of the best in the world because New Zealand are the reigning world champions, and you're going to see those players uh, in your backyard. So get down to those games. I will be at some of them, um, and uh, Stephen Harris, who's also from New Zealand Sports Radio, will be there at some of those games as well. So we'll be bringing you some coverage from the Farrell Palmer Cup um, once we get the fixtures. Shaw, thank you so much for your time. Um, and everyone, uh, please do uh, like the Facebook page um, or subscribe to the podcast to search for New Zealand Sports Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.